Welcome into Tailgate. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati, ready to rip it up. The mailbag episode, Gator mailbag season. Also got some speak pipes, some trivia before we get into the mailbag. Got to highlight Manscaped, the presenting sponsor of this podcast. The only true guaranteed quality pickup this season is Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. With Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, your skill position will be sleek and smooth enough for a sub-4340. Support us tailgate specifically and head to manscaped.com and use the exclusive code pff at checkout for 20 percent off plus free shipping because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology your nicks and snags will be reduced in the season of trimming the roster manscaped will make sure you're cutting the right players and not any important pieces of your d look fellas don't fall off her draft board or her headboard the ladies out there think that long nose hair is a major turnoff the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer is your solution why not use the best tools for the job there April is also draft season and Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PFF. Turn your Mr. Irrelevant to a first-round pick with Manscaped. They currently are the big guys at Manscaped. The top dogs at Manscaped are considering a full extension through the 2022 calendar year. If my chest is shaved with one of these tools on cam, they're considering it. They're considering it. So be on the lookout. Also use promo code PFF at manscaped.com. Excited for the speak pipes. Excited for the speak pipes. Let's first get into, do you want, let's do listener mailbag first. Speak pipes at the back end. Sure. All right. Listener mailbag. This is on Apple podcast. Remember to get on the mailbag episode. Go to speakpipe.com slash tailgate. Leave a voicemail that doesn't stink. Go to Apple podcast, rate, review, and subscribe to the show and leave your question in there or go to Spotify and send a DM of that screenshot of your Spotify review and ask the question via Twitter. Uh, follow us on Twitter at PFF underscore tailgate. This is from Mahaga. Listening to you talk about Ritter, the Ritter Pro Day, and can confirm he did play other sports. I played baseball with him growing up, although he was not the best. Oh, wow. Ritter getting dragged. Who <laughs> was butt at Pee Wee Baseball. That's not even a thing. What is it called? T-ball. Nobody saw this coming from Literally. him in high school or anything. Wow. So people have been doubting him his whole career. So he's got a chip on his shoulder. That's how I read that. Yeah. I. Uh, <laughs> it's not really a question, but it's that's good info. Thank you for the info, Mahaga. I, I also I, I put it here. This makes that makes sense that you know he's not the Kyler Murray or Patrick Mahomes on a baseball field. Um, I have also heard some inside information on Desmond Ritter that I don't think I can actually repeat on this podcast. But is it bad? It's. Not it's not bad. It's good actually. News you can't them. do that kind of but stuff. But I can't repeat it on the podcast. That's ridiculous. Don't even bring it up. Now it's I'm like sorry, the John Ross. It it's like the Josh Ross, John Ross story. You can't do it'll that. It'll it'll be like the John Ross story. Once Desmond Ritter's out of the NFL, I will tell the Desmond Ritter story. I like it. I like it. It's right. very. You just keep people listening. You just keep people listening to the it, show. It's, it's it's a it's a head turner. It's oh, not about no, him. No, dude, you you are being so lame right now. It's about his. Uh, don't don't. I know what it is. Don't. Okay. Don't even hint at it. This is from AG888888. Thoughts on Chris Hinton and Vince Gray. Also thoughts on Dustin Crum. Your thoughts. I haven't watched any of those guys. Chris Hinton, defensive lineman. These are two first two guys. Defensive lineman, Chris Hinton from defense tackle, excuse me, from Michigan. Vince Gray is also a cornerback from Michigan. So we have a Michigan man in the house, maybe. You could stop listening if you want. That won't bother me whatsoever. Um, Hinton, though, five-star recruit. Top 20 player back in the 2019 class. Only a true junior coming out. Honestly, I have no earthly clue why he declared early. He may go undrafted. I mean, he's going to be a day three pick at 
the earliest strong lower half, I guess. He's not particularly dynamic, not even that particularly strong. I honestly don't even know how he was five-star. I guess he's probably like defense tackles, five stars, and like recruits. It's usually the guys who develop early, and that's probably what Hinton was because he did not test very well at his pro day slash combine. So uh, I don't really see it with Hinton. He may not get drafted. Vincent Gray will probably get drafted, but he went four six four at his pro day in the 40. Long-armed, he's kind of a physical line of scrimmage guy. I like him better than Hinton. He'll get drafted. But, man, he got torched by Georgia. He gave up the double move till I think it was Ladd, McConkey. I don't know. He gave up two two touchdowns in that game. Uh, I do worry about his athletic profile, but he is kind of a physical tackler, maybe a safety convert sort of guy. And then Dustin Crum. Uh, he has an awkward throwing motion. I, he At the combine, he threw 53 miles per hour. For comparison, Jack Cohn was faster at 55 miles per hour. The top quarterbacks in his class, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, went 59 miles an hour. Malik Willis went 60 miles an hour. He is a clear tier below in terms of arm strength. I don't know. Weird sort of uh, offense there at Kent State. Obviously, it's a small school, small, low-level competition. He is a I, – I thought was more athletic on tape, but he went 4.75. And he's an undersized quarterback to begin with. I would be surprised, would not be surprised if he doesn't get drafted at all. And also, fun fact about Dustin Crum, Eskimo Bros. You're at, isn't, aren't you Eskimo Bros? And isn't it your. Nope. Okay. Um, I, I have a few uh, NFL Eskimo Bros. Dustin Crum is an Bros. Eskimo Bro? Yeah. I got Nick Bosa. Mr. Nick Bosa is an Eskimo Bro? Mr. Trubisky, too. What the hell? I got Ray Maluga. Mm. That was not great. Wait, Quinn, what? <laughs> wait, Quinn wait, wait, wait. I'll tell you after. <laughs> I don't think I have any NFL caliber Eskimo bros. But with uh, Ray Maluga is not great. Ray Maluga is I've heard terrific. stories about Ray Maluga here around town, too, that he was not the most uh, polite to females around this season. Yeah, not well-behaved. Jeez, yeah. Quinn, we need that story after the podcast. <laughs> Oh, man, Eskimo Bros with D. Crumb. Do you think he said – no, we're going to move off of that. All right, two-for-one drafts fan asked us on Apple Podcasts. He's also an Eskimo bro. Thoughts on Missouri offensive tackle Bobby Lawrence and Eastern Kentucky edge Ubong Udom. I went to high school with him. Love this question because Bobby Lawrence doesn't even start. He's an offensive tackle for Missouri, doesn't even start. He's played 253 snaps across three seasons. <laughs> um, Don't hate on Bobby Lawrence. He's coming back. He'll probably start next year. He's just not much – he's not an NFL caliber athlete, at least the way I saw on tape from him. Um, Ubong's interesting. I, I mean, he'd probably get a look from the NFL. I think he's in this class, I believe. I couldn't find too much more information. Couldn't even find pro day numbers on him. But undersized guy in the 230s and, and not really athletic. So he may move off ball. Like I said, may get a look. Would not surprise me, though, either if he's not even – doesn't even get a tryout. I, I'm still reacting to the Ray Maluga comment from Mike Quinn. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is funny. All right. Um, this next one is from Kevin King is trash. That's his username. So he's wearing that on his sleeve. Top five receivers in this class in terms of release. It's got to be Sky Moore. I don't know who you put here, but it's got to be Sky Moore up the top. Should the Packers take George Pickens at 28? Thoughts on Jordan Addison, the Pittsburgh receiver. And then thoughts on Romeo Dubs, the Nevada receiver. Okay. So top five go like this. Sky Moore one releases. Drake London, two. Chris Olave, three. Ohio State wide receiver. Cal Phillips, the UCLA slot wide receiver, four. Jameson Williams, the Alabama wide receiver, five. Those are your five best releases packages in the class now. There are other guys I think can develop into that. 
in like in time, but as it stands right now, that's where I'd lean. Um, should the Packers take George Pickens at 28? I'd be on board with it. If Sky Moore is not on the board, that might be my preference. I think he fits them. And as much as I say, I am not going to talk about wide receiver blocking. George Pickens could block and he would fit that. And they covered it. Like fucking Matt LaFleur covered it. So you got to bring it up. He blocks his ass off and would not surprise me if they are high on him, high enough to take him at 28 overall. Jordan Addison, I'm a big fan. I 175 pounds is what people are going to go back to a lot. He is slightly built, but he's dynamic. I think he's a very gifted route runner. I think he's very. I think he has good ball skills, even if he has a lot of drops. He's 21 drops in two years at Pittsburgh, a ton of drops. But I still like the way he attacks the football, and I think he plays a lot more physical than his 175 pounds would suggest. So, I think he's in the first round mix as we stand this far out. But like I said, the drops, I would like him to improve upon next season. And then Romeo Dubs, I really can't get Senior Bowl out of my head. He was not good. He looked awkward running a full route tree, which is something he didn't do much of at Nevada. The size speed releases are all there. I think there's a lot to work with, but he may just be a pure vertical tree kind of wide receiver, which there are a few of in this draft class. Master Gator. On Apple Podcasts, why are Kyle Hamilton's grades lower than what his tape shows? So he graded out well in coverage. I think the biggest like thing is his overall grades brought down because he had a lot of bad penalties. Like we penalized, I think he had like two targetings over the last couple of years and like a few other personal fouls, which for an overall grade, we ding him on. In terms of prospects projecting the NFL, I could give a good goddamn about a few targeting penalties, you know? So. I think that's the disconnect there. I am of the opinion that Kyle Hamilton is going to fall ultimately outside the top ten. I don't I, I think I think that this is legit. I, I do think that this fall is legit based on a lot of the forecasters. Peter Schrager, who does a forecast mock every year, um, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, like a lot of these guys see them, you know, go into Washington at eleven. And whether you think that's right or wrong, obviously you have you're really high on him and I'm high on him as well. I do think that it's going to be enough. I think this is going to be enough to push him down. I ultimately think uh, Kyle Hamilton doesn't make inside the top 10. I think his current draft prop is at six and a half, I believe. If you go to, you know, DraftKings, you can see Kyle Hamilton's eight and a half. And to go under, it's plus 120. So they're thinking nine plus. You know what I mean? They're thinking nine plus for, for Kyle Hamilton in the 2022 NFL draft. Love talking draft props. This is from T-Neck Man. Can we please show some love to Joe Douglas? He's been on a tear. Has Jets GM Joe Douglas been on a tear? If we are comparing the Jets to the rebuild Jags. to the Jets, <laughs> it is night and day. He has vastly outperformed, vastly done better about maximizing the talent of his roster versus the Jaguars roster with similar cap situations, similar talent situations going in. So, yes, hats off to him. I think he's done a very good job. They were bottom of the barrel in terms of just no building blocks to build around. And even like the guys you thought were building blocks, like Quentin Williams hasn't turned into that guy guys you would hope but Kai Beckton couldn't see the field last year like there are reasons why they still weren't good last year but again it still has to translate to the field we still need to see it I love what they've done so far I wouldn't have changed too much of what they have done so some love to Joe Douglas well deserving we'll see if he continues it I still question the Elijah Tucker pick we shall see how that one pans out but he has been on a tear I agree awesome going now to 
dots underscore. Do you see the Jets going wide receiver cornerback? Also, why do I get an F for drafting Matt Ariza, the best player in the draft with the Giants last pick? <laughs> I, I do think that, so a little behind the scenes on the mock draft simulator, Eric Eager and Timo Risque are the two data scientists, the brains behind it. They are big advocates of not drafting punters and kickers. So if you do draft a punter and kicker in the mock draft simulator, you're going to get a low, low grade. Also, we are pro Ryan Stonehouse. Yes, yeah, Stonehouse. Exactly. This is so, a Ryan Stonehouse, Stonehouse our guy. Yeah. Austin's is... really in a pickle with Areza being San Diego State, but him literally falling in love with Ryan Stonehouse at the Shrine Bowl. You should have seen oh, him. Oh, yeah. Talk I didn't Stonehouse. even think about that. He's in a pickle here. No, Ryan Stonehouse, I, I throw my San Diego State allegiance to the side. Ryan Stonehouse is my punter one. If, if he gets drafted by the Bengals, we're literally going to hang out with Ryan Stonehouse. We absolutely <laughs> like not are. Even a joke. He was easily the coolest guy we talked to at the East-West Shrine. Easily. Yeah. We talked for like an hour. So this is a good story, actually. So go to the East-West Shrine Bowl, and they set up like the section for media to like interview a ton of players. And you're just churning and burning, dude. You're talking to like every player at the East-West Shrine Bowl for 10, 8 to 10 minutes. And it's just this like – it's a monstrous affair because you're talking to so many people, people that maybe you've watched five snaps on and asking them questions and all that stuff. So I kind of leverage that. See, Joe Stonehouse and I are kind of vibing. And he just, so he finished the interview. He doesn't get out of the seat. He just doesn't leave. So yeah. we just like talk for another like 40 minutes. And while Trevor Sikama, bless his heart, is grinding through a bunch of more interviews with these players at the East West Shrine Bowl, I'm just like vibing with Ryan Stonehouse. He didn't even get a combine invite though. Yeah. That's screwed. Thought Screw. you guys were about to spark up right there. We might have. We yeah. might have. The boys were sparking. Um, yeah, that's funny. All right. Uh, did you answer the wide receiver cornerback question for the Jets? Okay, it's for the Jets. Oh, yeah, this isn't the it's Douglas question still. Yeah. Different Jets question. Mm -hmm. I, I do think they go edge with one of those two picks. I, I think, one, the edge class is too good. Two, Robert Salah prioritizes too much. Like, he wants pass rush. First, foremost, second most, third most, all the mosts. He wants pass rush. So I, I do think one of those players will be an edge, even if, you know, John Franklin Myers and Carl Lawson theoretically could be a good duo. Like he's still going to add to that mix. I think at four, if Kayvon Thibodeau's there, it makes too much sense for the Jets go Thibodeau. Yeah. Thibodeau at four. If Walker's there, it's looking more and more likely that the Lions could be going Trayvon Walker, the Georgia edge defender. But I think if I think if Kayvon Thibodeau there at four, I think that would be one of my favorite picks. I think if they go offensive tackle there, too. I think if they go offensive tackle there at four. But I think you go pass rusher or offensive tackle at four and then lean at 10 into wide receiver corner, depending on who's mm -hmm. available. You go Derek Stingley at 10, Drake London at 10, Garrett Wilson at 10. That would be my perfect blend there for Douglas and the Jets. This is from Chronic Mastergator. Why is combine speed valued so much? We talked about this a little bit yesterday. It's sexy. It's sexy. That's what they show on TV. Um it's easy to, you know, that number, everyone has a reference in their head of what that looks like, what's fast. And, and as much as we say, oh, you know, combine doesn't matter, the, guy, the fast receiver, receivers who are fast have gotten overdrafted historically compared to their production at the NFL level. Um, Kevin Cole did a great study about this, about combine drills, which ones get you drafted highly, and legitimately wide receivers that run faster get drafted higher despite it not actually mattering there's i mean sure it does matter speed is the thing that still happens on the football field if you run a 4-3 your like speed score is a, is a stat that is used for certain positions but it still doesn't help you hit a crease that you know is closing i don't care what size you are so it still does matter to a degree but not to the degree that the nfl even has valued it over the years 
Squatterman, 4-5. Should the Bills trade up to get one of these top three cornerbacks? That is interesting. It depends how far Derek Stingley fall, falls. I don't think he falls that far, right? Now I, I, that I, McDuffie, too. I, I like McDuffie in that defense a lot. So, so you it, think, but, where, but where, it, like where, you said, it yeah. depends on how far. I think so. Ahmad Gardner, I think, is a lock for the top 10. Yeah. I, think there's a, I think he doesn't get past the Jets mm-hmm. at 10. And I'm not and sure Derek, he really fits them either. So, And for Derek Stingley, I'm of the opinion that after his pro day where he lazily put up an absurd athletic performance, you, go, you have to go back and watch his vertical, his three-cone, and his broad. He puts so little technique. It looks like he has not trained for it. And that, I don't think – I think it's because of recovery and all that yeah. stuff, right? He's hurt. I don't think it's – I'm not knocking him for not training or whatever. But he effortlessly jumped 38 inches like, and effortlessly went over 10 inches – or 10 inches, 10 feet on the broad. That was insane, like legitimately insane. It was. I think if he trained more, he could put another four inches on both of those things, which everyone could use. Yeah. I do think that um, – Derek Stingley is probably a lock to go inside the top 10. Maybe even, maybe he gets to 12 for Minnesota, but I would say that's his absolute four. I guess McDuffie is this other guy. At what point are you feeling good about a trade-up for McDuffie? So if you got, your Buffalo, you're sitting at pick 25. You probably have Philly looking corner at 18 at their second one. So if Philly passes on him at 50, so uh, let me just, uh, after Stingley's pro day, I'm going to go out and let and say Stingley and McDuffie, and excuse me, Gardner are gone by by that time but I think McDuffie could still be on the board somewhere in the 16-17 range if the Chargers don't have an OT or corner they like at that point I could see flipping third to move up to 17 to get the Chargers pick to get McDuffie because I've said the difference between QB CB3 in this class CB4 is a pretty big chasm at least on the PFS board and that would be try McDuffie and Andrew Booth now both I think could fit in Buffalo both would be good fits and like obviously fill a need, but I like McDuffie a lot better. So at that point, I think it's worth that much, but, and especially if it's getting to like, I, I guess down by 20, jumping New England possibly would also be something I think about. Wouldn't take as much also. So I, I would think about it. Yeah. I, I would make that move. Handful more questions here before we get into the Matt Entz interview, North Dakota State head coach. Want to also shout out Western Southern, the proud sponsor of the Tailgate Podcast, uh, Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, guess what? Focus on your money moves with Western Southern. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. You got to start thinking about retirement solutions right birthday's next week what's the age where are you getting up to let's not talk about it let's not talk about it all right 29 again i wish oh how to be young (laughs) all right this is from hawkeye 1298 how long before a true positionless offense comes around interesting okay go ahead i don't think there's I mean, positionless, I don't think it's ever going to be a case, but I do. Definitely not with offensive line. Quarterback, <laughs> like it's going to be tough to have, you know, even Debo Samuel throwing passes. But I do think what we will start to see is teams hoard playmakers. Like teams start to treat wide receivers more like, I hate, I, I don't want to say it, but it was the first turn that came to mind because you say it all the time now. It's the basketball team where mm-hmm. it's like, you got to have a bunch. Like you got to have guys that can come in and out rotating and filling every role and in the days of we have a number one wide receiver and a number two wide receiver we're good my opinion are over dead that's not enough 
you have to give yourself options on every single play for everything that a defense could throw at you. So for my money, I think that's what we're going to start to see more so than, you know, positionless offense, just guys who can do like, yeah, I have Debo Samuel. Yeah, I have Brandon Ayuk. Let me go draft Garrett Wilson too. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, let me go draft another wide receiver. Let me go draft another guy because that's what wins in today's NFL is just having unstoppable offenses instead of prioritizing or instead of drafting that next guard to fill out a roster. Treat your offense like it's a basketball team where you ha- need to have four or five scoring options. You, yeah, you need guys that can, in, you know, like in isolation in basketball, right, to just go get a bucket. Yep. And and if you are a team that don't have those guys, I, I always go back to the Las Vegas Raiders against the Bengals in the playoffs. That game was close. But when you look in those critical situations, Derek Carr's throwing to Zay Jones and Foster Moreau. Like, if you don't have – I'm not trying to hate on those guys, but, like, those guys aren't go-get-a-bucket guys. You need guys that can go on third down don't in the Trevor red zone. Don't Huh? Don't tell Trevor Lawrence that. Exactly. Trevor Lawrence does not have one of those guys. Trevor Lawrence, the Green Bay Packers doesn't have one of those guys. Yeah. It, it, you need multiple, and you don't need one. You need multiple that can go in and, in a one-on-one situation, win, and, and like you said, go get a bucket in these critical situations. I don't think the skill position value in the NFL has never been higher. Never been higher. And that's evident in how much receivers are getting paid, right? Receivers are getting paid a ton of money now because those guys are so important to offenses uh, and, and winning football games. Honestly, I think we can we can go beyond offenses. It's winning football games and it's high end skill players and multiple that are winning football games deep in the postseason. This is from Dickie Blanco. Cowboys go receiver at twenty four. Your thoughts? They a lot of the mock drafts have them going offensive tackle. Yeah. And Jerry Jones, I think I saw him on a podcast or a radio hit recently said. He's going to do like everything he can to get an offensive lineman in this draft. I think I think they're going to lock into an offensive lineman there. Yeah, I think it would be such a waste to draft your receiver in the first round when you had Amari Cooper on your roster. I obviously cap situation dictated some of their moves this offseason, but still, the whole point of them shopping Amari Cooper, being willing to part ways, was because they thought the offense didn't need that caliber like they didn't they didn't think the offense needed that much skill position like it is it is an offense that wins via scheme not as much via talent is was kind of the party line being sold to us now believe that what you will whatever but i, I would i'd be highly I'd, I'd be pissed if i'm a cowboys fan and they went wide receiver is all i'll say not to say they won't but i'd be pissed 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 Popular opinion. That's the guy's name on Apple Podcasts. I think Kyle Pitts is the new mold for tight ends. If this happens, would defenses play more dime? I'm not sure. I'm not sure we'll ever see full on dime. I wish. Really take over. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just because you still have to match. You still have to have guys who can play the run. Now, I I think maybe you'll see the rise in, you know, bigger, the Jalen Petrie types of the world being more coveted, guys who can play the run at a high level but still play you know maybe slot corner and that sort of thing that might be a new position that pops up but I do still think that if you're in dime and you do have you know a fifth I guess that's excuse me, a sixth defensive back you no matter what you know matter how many wide receivers they have on the field you're liable you're very leaving yourself open very much against the run so I, I don't think that that's necessarily ever going to be the case in the nfl i also think it's an injustice to say is if kyle pitts is going to be the new mole for tight ends because kyle God pitts is, been, yeah. is a unicorn 
I don't think we're going to get a lot more Kyle Pitts, right? If Kyle Pitts, if there's one in every class, then maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I don't think there's if that was the new mold for tight ends, this tight end class would look a lot different because there isn't a Kyle Pitts in this class. I don't think we're going to see one in quite some time. Mm-hmm. This is from ModCon. Why would the Lions not take Malik Willis at number two overall? Start with that one. He has a second question, but start with why would the Lions not take Malik Willis at number two? I would say the Louisiana Lafayette game and the Louisiana Monroe game from this past season is why you would not take him number one overall. I mean, we've had this ooing and aahing of his physical tools over the course of the pre-draft process. Look at the arm. You know, look at the rushing ability. Whoa. But you go look at the tape from Look at the tape. Games, Don't go from look at the arm to look at the tape. Yeah, and it's just – it's concerning. Yeah. You know, like it, it is very concerning. And it's the accuracy issues, it's the decision-making issues, it's the offense he's in. So that's why when you have a chance to solidify maybe a blue-chip player at a different position in this class, and as we've said, quarterbacks are becoming available. Yeah. I, I, I do think I, – I don't think you have to reach at the position as much. I do think he frames the question well. I don't think enough people are framing the question with Malik Willis like that. Why wouldn't you take him? Because I think a lot of people, no one, in, if you've been listening to the draft yeah. at all, like listening to the pre-draft coverage, everyone knows why you would take yeah. him. You take Malik Willis because he's this big athlete. No, not big athlete, but he's a physical. You know, he's a six foot two, six foot two twenty, running back with a rocket arm, and that is rare. You know, an athlete at six foot two twenty with a howitzer is rare. That's why you would take him. Why you wouldn't take him? One of the least accurate quarterbacks in the FBS this last year. One of the highest sack to pressure, you know, pressure to sack conversion rates in the FBS last year. You look at when uh, Hayden Winks of Underdog Fantasy pushed this out, and I looked at PFF data. When he sees four or fewer pass rushers, he ranked outside the top 100 among FBS quarterbacks in PFF grade. When when you're seeing a lot more coverage defenders, right? When he's not blitzing, and he's not creating behind there. Yeah. One of the lowest grade quarterbacks under pressure. Like the production hasn't been there. There are a lot of concerns on tape. The accuracy hasn't been there. Why you would take him is all this high end and what he can be, and just like. Uh, like rare tools, right? Yeah. Rare tools is why you take Trayvon Walker. Rare tools is why you take Malik Willis. Rare tools is why you, everyone gets drafted so highly. And I had this question. Um, it's kind of similar to the Malik Willis one from my friend from back home who listens to podcasts all the time. Big shout out to John Marsh. He said, in this class, because there isn't a super high-end Miles Garrett, right? Or top-end Trevor Lawrence type of quarterback, or even a Jamar Chase at receiver. There isn't this, like, obvious, obvious blue... Ch- or Patrick Sertan at corner, right? There isn't this obvious elite talent at a lot of the high-end positions. Is this not the right class to take a flyer on a Trayvon Walker or Malik Willis, right? Because, like, none of the... If you if you do buy into that, this class isn't that good, and Aiden Hutchinson's never going to be a multi-sack guy, Kayvon Thibodeau's boomer bust, you know, why not take the guy with all the tools in the world that could be the best player in this class over the guys that maybe you feel more confident in and, and you're baking in these floors? So that goes back to... I remember we had Bucky Brooks on, and he kind of said something about, like, a top five pick should have Hall of Fame potential. You know, that's why you draft in the top five. And I push back on that. You know, top 10 pick has to fit XYZ mold. It's like, no, top five pick has to be a good player. You know, top five pick can't be a guy like Deion Jordan. Deion Jordan had Hall of Fame potential. He was a Hall of Fame level athlete. Was he good on a football field? Hell no. You know, like a top five pick better be a guy that contributes to your football team. So it better be the best fucking player that's available. (laughs) You know, not every class has a Hall of Famer is the thing. 
you have to play the class and you have to just get the best football player is what I would respond to that. I think there needs to be more conversation around that, right? Because you hear Steve Palazzolo, who hosts the NFL podcast and does excellent stuff. You should check out that podcast. He talks about the draft a lot, and draft picks specifically is house money, right? Go get something big. Go make a bet, right? Go, go. It's it's house money. You get these picks. You get these cheap contracts. Why not go take a flyer and go get someone that could be great, right? Spend real money, the second contracts and third contracts on guys that you know are great, and then the draft leverage this house money to go take some flyers. I do think that there needs to be more discussion around that, right? What's the value in ensuring you're getting producers but maybe not hall of fame potential versus hey we're going to swing and we are going to miss right we're going to miss on some prospects that maybe have this hall of fame potential i do think it's a balance right there's no obvious right or wrong there but i think a lot of you know, there is a lot of not, not enough discussion on you know what is the right balance of that right should your top 10 pick have a le- very low floor what's the medium you know average floor you should look for and all that stuff but Next question from ModCon here. Why isn't Jamison Williams getting top 10 buzz? I think this question might be a little bit early because I think he is getting top 10 buzz now. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, ACL is why. He would be, I mean, he would be connected to the Falcons like every mock draft. Would he not have torn his ACL? So that's, that's why. This is from Not Rowdy Roddy Piper. Reading that again. Not Rowdy Roddy Piper. Mm -hmm. Why is Dontario Drummond being so overlooked? I have you wrote so you wrote a handful question. of things here to start. Look at his watch all of his receptions. He is a gadget in that offense. He does not get right leverage down the football field. They, such a high percentage of his yardage is coming after the catch. And well, gadget players go in the NFL. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of you know a lot of the teams that have gadget types in their offense already have one. And to you've said this before, if you're going to draft a guy that has such a specific role in an offense. He better be damn good and better than the one you already have playing in that role in that offense. And it's just hard to see the football field. That's why we talked to Nate Tice on this podcast, who does really good work now for The Athletic. Shout out Nate Tice. He's a full-timer at The Athletic with former PFF or Deontay Lee. He's like, I covet size at the receiver position. And the biggest reason is he's like, I know I can get multiple roles out of him. I can work him in the slot if he can't hang on press. I can get him on the outside if he can be this vertical threat. You bring in a guy like Dontario Drummond, he's got to be Calvin Austin levels of athlete to really highly consider him because his usage in the NFL is just going to be so different. Yeah, so Dontario Drummond, the Ole Miss wide receiver, had the fourth lowest average depth of target in college football last year. Jareth Stearns, who's five foot seven, 160 or whatever, had a, had a deeper average depth of target, who got the most screen receptions of any wide receiver in the country, had a deeper average depth of target. So that's one. He's going to be a 25 years old as a rookie. That's two. He ran a 474 at his pro day. No. That's three. It was that slow? Yeah. He doesn't look that slow on tape. Yeah. That's, yeah. Man, that's brutal. That's short strides is what that is. Because he looks faster on tape, right? Because those feet are churning. Mm-hmm. But you're, when you're picking him up and picking, putting him down, if you're not going that far with each stride, <laughs> that's a 47440. Damn, that sucks. <laughs> I liked him. I liked him at Ole yeah. Miss. That I know, sucks. yeah. But yeah, I think he maximized his college career, though. 25-year-old? I mean, he probably had some fun there at Ole Miss. I was going to say, I would love it to be 25 in college. This is from Will Rich 116. How much does age, PFF grade, and athletic score factor into your draft evaluations? A lot. I mean, you hear us talk about any of these prospects. We're bringing up their age. We're bringing up their athleticism. It's, <laughs> and then we're obviously PFF grades sort of dictating how we're, kind of how we watch the tape or like what we're watching about the tape, that sort of thing. How they fare on the aspects that we think are valuable so that's 
the that's a, that's like a big big portion of the evaluation. Obviously, like the tape, you have your opinion of the tape, but like those things have to be factored in. I think there's uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. You're obviously the lead draft analyst here at PFF, but there's when we talk about checking boxes, yeah. right? Measurables, athleticism, intangibles, production, which is where PFF grades come in, yeah. and then tape. And I think all of those are factored into, obviously, your evaluation. I think athleticism is super important. Obviously, measurables, right, beyond athleticism, how big you are, how long your arms are, all that stuff. And then you have your tape grade, your production, and, um, yeah. and the intangibles. They're almost like tape is your opinion. Ta- tape's the actual, like, what do you, what see? you think of the player. And then the rest are almost like qualifiers. Is he athletic enough? Grade out well enough? Is he young enough? You know, like, you're, yeah. when did he do it? When, how was he 25? Like Ontario Drummond, you know, yeah. was he beaten up on kids or was he a kid beaten up on men? I actually had a good line. Wait, I said I was on. I was that line for, was kind of cool. No, I, I had a, I, I wrote it down. Actually, I said this to Matthew Collar yesterday, long, long time listener of the podcast. And I wrote it down afterwards. because I thought it was good. It's, I said, you can, can you, a lot of guys can act like a man amongst boys when they're, and act like a man when they're a man amongst boys, but can you act like a man amongst boy when you're a boy bugs men? I like it. It's a little choppy, but I think yeah. I get where you're at. I like that. Can you be a man when you're a boy among men? Yeah. That's hot. I don't know. If, nah, hot's probably not the word I want. But yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you that's, definitely want to see some boys amongst men. That's boy. pretty you're cool. That's pretty that. cool. This is Cat Hasselback. I like that name. Good on Apple Podcasts. Should the 49ers offer Trey Lance to the Panthers? What? <laughs> that one... That one's not for what? What would you okay, Cat Hasselback? What would you want? This guy's worth like three first round picks, and you're gonna trade. No way the Panthers trade for you that. Maybe they give up a first. Maybe he's untradeable right now. His value is as low as it's ever been in his probably his career. I don't. I don't think you can trade him. Like physically trade him. You're in agreement. Yeah, that that's that's the future. That's you know. Unless you've seen, seen him every day in practice and think he's a disaster and has Jamarcus Russell-level work ethic. The Jamarcus Russell story where the coach asks him to take a tape back and watch it at home, and then we're going to come in to practice tomorrow. I'm sure everyone's heard the story, but they come in and practice tomorrow, and we're going to go over those concepts. The next day, the coach says, what would you think? You ready to go? He's like, yeah, absolutely, coach. Thanks for doing that. The tape was blank. Yeah. That is the ultimate. That is the ultimate test. That is brutal, dude. Can you imagine getting got like that? Getting got like that, that's got to feel, like, different. you got to feel stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's more than just, like, oh, wow, my work ethic is still trash. It's also, like, I just got bamboozled, yeah. hoodwinked. I, I, got, I don't even think it was an unfair play, too. I think that was completely fair. You're, you're like, you're not only lazy, you're a lazy liar. Yeah, that's you know? rough, dude. Because the coach, say Russell comes back the next day, and he's like, Coach, I, I tried to get the tape to work, and I couldn't get to play. Like, it, yeah. I think the tape was playing. Oh, man, I must have Well, you no, you wrong. would know it that night, right? Like, you would, like, presumably you would call and be like, Hey, Coach, I think you maybe gave me the wrong tape. Yeah, Because it's not, like, you would know that night. You wouldn't even have to wait to the next exactly. day. Exactly. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And obviously that didn't happen. Because I, I think it's such a low-risk, high-reward play by that coach. Because I don't think he comes out of it, Jamarcus Russell thinks he's doubting him or anything. Yeah. It's more like, hey, here comes the test. Let's see if he hits it. I think that there needs to be more of those trap tests in the pre-draft evaluation process, right? How would you even go about doing it? I'm trying to think of some, I'm trying to think of some ideas. We'll have to brainstorm. But mm-hmm. there, there's, probably gotta, there's probably some opportunity in there. All right. 
Last question here, and then we'll get to the speak pipes and trivia, and then obviously the interview with North Dakota State head coach Matt Enns. This is from Albatross011. Can you compare Jalen Petrie, the Baylor slot cornerback safety, to Elijah Molden, who is a former Washington cornerback, uh, slot cornerback, now plays the Tennessee Titans, and then Trey Brown? Oh, shit. I missed the Trey Brown one of that. Trey Brown, obviously, the I was just doing Elijah Molden. Brown was an outside cornerback, though, still is an outside cornerback. The Oklahoma cornerback from last year who now is with the Seattle Seahawks. He was a physical, at the line of scrimmage, press outside corner. And despite not fitting the mold, I thought you'd keep him there. Like, he's going to stay there. I think he can overcome it. And so far in his career, he has. I think he's in line for a starting role yet again next year. So, different player, much different player, Trey Brown, much more similar to Elijah Molden. Jalen Petrie. Petrie, in my opinion, is just like a better athlete, a little bit longer, bigger wingspan, almost like if Elijah Molden took steroids, whatever here. Like, he's just better physically. Similar level of, like, headiness, similar level of physicality that they play with, even, but, like, Petrie takes all of it to kind of, like, another level. And it's just that little bit better. So that's how I'd compare Eli, I think the Elijah Molden comparison from a production standpoint is very good. Because yeah. the Elijah Molden at Washington was really productive, really good run defender from a PFF run defense grade perspective. And Petrie's very similar. I think he was the highest graded cornerback in run defense this past year. It's, it's very similar production. I agree, though, that he's a souped up souped up Elijah Molden. Shall we get to the speak pipes now? Yeah. Pipe I, me up, Quinn. All right. First one is from Matt, the English master gator. What's up, Matt? Oh, this accent better be good. Easy. How's it going, boys? This is Matt from Nottingham in England. Let's go. Yeah, that's right. You've gone international. Fucking made it. Three questions, if I may. Firstly, Austin, we obviously know about you in the office, but will you please just acknowledge that the original British version is far more superior to the, let's face it, watered-down Yank version. Secondly, again for Austin, I too have a best mate who is really fucking good-looking, all, all the birds want a bit of. It's frustrating as fuck. <laughs> How do you feel? A, Oak Mike wakes up every morning losing his hair and covered in zits, or B, just embrace it and pick up his, pick up his leftover scraps. Last question, back to football for Mike. The draft is my favourite time of the year, and as a Broncos fan, I'm feeling slightly left out. Help me out, mate. Broncos have got a late second, two early thirds, two early fourths. What we're going to do? I think linebacker, right tackle, zone corner. Any suggestions? Cheers, boys. First question. Well, before I get into the questions, that guy's accent was went pure. way over the bar. That was pure. Elite. That was yeah. pure. It, it sounded I, I like, almost couldn't understand him. It, it <laughs> like, that was Peaky Blinders level, dude. And one thing that I am demanding he called from them this, birds. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. We, I am demanding from here on out, we need to do that. We need to call them birds. birds. It's got it. All the birds are buzzing. I, I need that. I need that in my vernacular. Um, one, the UK office is not superior to the Yank version. Dude, I'm, it was so bad. I it watched was, it. Yeah, it's terrible. It's I've watched bad. it as two. I'm a diehard Office fan. Yeah. It's not that good. It's not that good. Two, uh, I'm picking up the scraps. Obviously, it's not. It's not easy. No one said it was easy, but you know, it's great to be there by association. The birds are buzzing, and someone's got to pick it up. You know, someone's got to be around there to clean it up. Um, three Broncos. What should they do? Second, early fourth, <laughs> early third. <laughs> I, I love the idea of a linebacker to back in the second or offensive tackle. Now, I, I, we talked on the offensive tackle class, the sort of tier two of offensive tackles, Tyler Smith, Abraham Lucas, or 
Kellen Deesh is tier two. What one of those if Tyler Smith or Abraham Lucas is there back in a second, that's where I'd be looking first. Ideally, Abraham Lucas. He's played right tackle. He could slot in there immediately. Linebacker as well, either with that back in the second or one of those early thirds with either like a Chad Muma, Brian Asamoah, I would love to add to that linebacking core with one of those guys, especially with now uh, Baron Browning transitioning to defensive end, where I said I thought he should have gone initially. Um, after that, it's kind of pick your poison. I think that they don't have a ton of needs. So after that, you're kind of just wherever you think you can add. Obviously, defensive line, you can always add to the roster. So possibly there, one of the, maybe the developmental sort of edge rushers in this draft class. I do think a guy like Josh Pascal would make a lot of sense. They're a Kentucky defensive lineman who has sort of inside-outside versatility that I don't really think Chandler Jones or Bradley Chubb have. Oh, not Chandler Jones. I made it. Who's the, uh, Randy Gregory? Forget me. I'm not thinking just today. But don't, those guys aren't really those type of rushers, whereas Pascal can rush in the interior on third downs. What was that guy's name again, Quinn? His name is Matt. Big shout out. Big shout out to our UK friend, Matt. That, yeah, uh, is Gator Matt. The English slang is so much better. Oh my gosh. It's not even close. I've had that take I'm since jealous. the jump. I, I do love, have you seen the new TikTok trend of like the English? Okay, never mind. What is it? Explain it. I, it's tough to explain. Explain it. I'm not, okay, so it's like, no, I, can't, I really can't <laughs> even explain it. If you're listening, you probably know what I'm talking about. I, 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 love, I love birds being added to the vernacular. I already say early doors. Early doors is a fantastic British expression. Uh, having a go. I, I, Neil says that all the time, founder of the company who's from the UK. Are you having a go? Taking the piss Take is the another piss. one. Taking the piss. But there's a lot more. There's a lot more. It's really good. I now, don't like stag party, though, instead of bachelor party. I've never heard stag party. That's what they call stag do or something is what they call bachelor You can't party. even explain the TikToks, bro. It's tough. It's a Get tough off. You're off. You're off. Next one. Next peak pipe. Next one is from Manuel. All right, boys. How you doing? It's Manuel. So I just have an interesting question for you. I understand they're calling players fun to watch is not a take. I agree with y'all. So I'll ask you for something a bit different. Who are the most satisfying players to watch? Players that when you turn on the tape, you can see how they set up different things or when they use specific techniques that just seem satisfying, make the tape viewing experience better. Also, side note, um, the other day Mike said he doesn't use shampoo, <laughs> which is wild. Uh, but did he not use shampoo when he had the long hair with the ponytail? Bachelorette days, you know? Because that's, that's even wilder. Like, I, I need some answers, Mike. What, what the hell was going on there? Can you kick us off with the shampoo debacle? That, so what I did have long hair, that is when I learned that you didn't actually need as much shampoo as you think you do. Mm -hmm. So I'll, when I had long hair, though, I would shampoo. But it would be like once every week or so. so. Do you ever miss the long hair? It was a disaster. It was so much up. I mean, not so much upkeep, but just I do no upkeep now, mm -hmm. and it's great. So I do not miss it. Satisfying players to watch. I, I, I'm a big Amari Cooper guy. I think Amari Cooper is a satisfying player. Oh, I thought Khalil. we were talking about this draft class. but Oh, draft class? I thought it was players in the NFL. Oh. I don't know. You go, you go NFL, I'll go this draft class. All right, Amari Cooper, Khalil Mack, Cameron Hayward, Michael Pierce. 
guys that just like do their job really well. Yeah. I mean, guy, maybe they're not super fun to watch, like you said, but they they just you just know what you're getting, and they do it well. Um, Justin Smith for the Niners back in the day, that was a satisfying mm-hmm. game every single time. Jalen Ramsey too. Jalen Ramsey is probably more fun to watch than I'm giving him credit for, but that's a dude. He's just different. He's a different cornerback in the NFL. So come come to mind in this draft class first off is Chris Olave, just doesn't really make mistakes. So it's like it's watch his tape. You're like, where does he improve? I don't know. He's just like that's where he is athletically. Another one was aforementioned Gian Petrie. And watching his tape is just the man does his job and like quickly. Just he does it. Knows exactly where he's going. Attacks. No real hesitation to his game. So those are probably the two guys that I would say are the most satisfying watches on tape next one all right this next one is from isher i believe is how you say it let's see what he's got to say do you know her i don't hi guys this is isha love the podcast isher, just got sorry. a quick couple things uh one you can tell that austin is a little bit of a, a movie snob for like you know film snob kind of thing so you should check film. out the uh social media site um letterbox i think you'd love that Anyway, uh, also, uh, so I'm an American born in London, you know, gone into football over the past couple of years, and I'm moving to the USA for work, and I'm really looking for a book or two that will help me dive into understanding, you know, tactics, coverage, play calling uh, on the field so that when I watch football over there, I'll I'll look like less of an idiot because right now I feel like I just watch it and don't necessarily understand everything. Um, Anyway, secondly... I was uh, thinking about positional value in the draft and wanted to get your thoughts on uh, this kind of uh, idea. Hypothetically, if you could say draft a Hall of Fame player at a position of low value, say middle linebacker, how good would a player at a position of higher value, say edge, have to be for you to forgo that Hall of Fame player? Uh, Would you take uh, Luke Keekley over... Ryan Kerrigan or say James Harrison down to like I don't know you know uh Jadavian Clowney or something thanks guys oh and would highly recommend the show Chernobyl yes Chernobyl's fantastic I've said that before Chernobyl is one of the best I think one of the best shows of all time I think it's one of the best shows of all Ooh, time really I like the first episode and thought it went downhill but that's no you're you're just like uncultured and and like trash I guess that's fine I did go to he finds out it's a true story <laughs> is it <laughs> kidding so letterbox i went there that was the first thing he highlighted it's a social media site and the brand is track films you've watched save those you want to see tell your friends what's good and i love the first comment morbius which i've heard is absolutely horrendous jared leto is like king midas except everything he touches turns to shit that is a great comment how is he in stuff i watched i've watched like two of his movies and he's the biggest overactor like i've ever seen I haven't, I haven't watched like, a no, lot of his like completely unbelievable in every character he is because there's just no one acts the way he does. You know, Interesting. Like, it's not a good. Not I might see Morbius just for the fun of it. Yeah. So first question was books to read, right, or things to pick up. But where I'd start, Chris Brown, who writes smartfootball.com, has written the Smart Football books. It, anything he writes, he's, he's a lawyer himself. He's a very gifted writer. Honestly, I, a lot of my writing is heavily, if anyone's heavily influenced my writing the most, it is him. I, when I was starting out, I read his books. I read his website religiously. I probably read every single thing he's written that is available publicly because he breaks it down. It's a very simplistic, easy way of breaking it down that, like you said, if you really don't know football at all, you'll be able to understand it. And he adds like historical aspects to it and puts context to it 
exceptional writer if you're going to start anywhere. So I recommend to every single person who's asking me that question. So that's where I'd start. From there, then I get, depending on like your level of confidence from there, I like coaching clinics as a way to learn. There's a bunch of coaching clinics on YouTube. You can find coaching clinics for pretty much anything you want. I even buy like the books on coaching clinics to have them to keep to just for reference material every year. There's like Nike Coach of the Year clinics puts out a book that's like has a bunch of different talks that I buy every year. That's very interesting. So that's where I'd go. That's what I literally did myself. So it worked out all right for me. Yeah. So, so that's where I'd say. Essential Smart Football is fantastic. Chris Brown's not even just one of the best football minds, but also he's like a talented writer. Really talented. I think writer. the Art of Smart Football is the first one, right? Which one was first? I can't remember. Both are great. Yeah. Also, both are also great. I think formerly wrote for Grantland, which yes. when it was still out. Makes there. good music too. Stop. Yeah. Stop. Also Stop. beat up Rihanna. Next speak pipe. No, stop. That was terrible. <laughs> All right. This last one is uh, this is an anonymous one. What up, Tailgate? It's Air Natty here. I've been bringing some weak takes trying to get on the pod for a few weeks to no avail. <laughs> so I decided to actually bring you a strong take and actually dive into the data. Going to hit you with a list here Josh Jackson, Connor Williams, Greedy Williams, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Grant Delpit, AJ Panessa. Christian Fulton, Josh Jones, Asante Samuel Jr., and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. What does that list have in common? Thanks, guys. They were all top 20 players for PFF on their final big board, and they all went at least pick 44 in their respective drafts. reason why that's interesting is my team, the Browns, has their first pick at pick 44. Would love to hear you guys' opinions on players in your top 20 currently that could fall to the Browns, and would there be any players outside of quarterback in your top 20 list that the Browns shouldn't take if they fell to them at 44 in this year's draft. Let's go Gators. I like that. I like that question. Before you answer that, we missed out on Esher. Esher asked two questions. The second one was how good would a prospect at a high position value be if he was going to be, you know, I think you still want borderline pro bowl every year caliber Mm -hmm. to, like you said, forgo Luke Keekly because when a guy is hall of fame, when a guy is that, tippy top of his position depending on the position obviously um maybe not like center but like you said a luke keekley linebacker like you can scheme around a guy who's that good like you can feature guys who are that good at maybe low value positions like maybe tight end like the ones that don't get paid as much they still make massive impact when they are the elite of the elite so that's what i would say is that guy better be if you're talking about an edge rusher if you're talking about a wide receiver he better be borderline pro bowl every year to have me forego like five times, five Pro Bowls in his career, sort of career, to have me forego an elite Hall of Fame talent. And now on to this guy's question. Sorry okay. to cut him off. So it was top 20 player on the PFF board that could fall to pick 44. I could see N'Kobe Dean falling to pick 44 just because not going to be everyone's cup of tea with his size. I could see Bernard Ryman falling to pick 44, the Central Michigan offense tackle, just because I don't know why other people aren't high on him. So those two guys, I think every single other player is going to be off the board by then. I would be floored. Just in your top 20, you're saying? In the top 20. Now, if we stretch it out to, gosh, top 30, Jalen Petrie could be on the board still somewhere in the second round. That was the guy I would like. But, I mean, Bernard Ryman, I would love, honestly, if I'm a Browns fan. Now, it doesn't really fill a need, but we saw that offensive line last year, how many injuries they had. And just Jack Conklin's ability to stay on the field has been an issue throughout his entire career. So that would be something that would still fill 
a high position when it's a roster that doesn't really have other needs. So if he's on the board there, I'm taking him if I'm the Browns. Do we have another speak pipe? No, that's it for speak pipe, but we do have two trivia questions Let's if go. you guys want to hit those. Let's go. All right, first one uh, is from Grant Alameda on Twitter. Who are the three Pro Bowl NFL quarterbacks who also played in the CFL and won the Grey Cup? Kurt Warner. No. Warren Moon. Warren Moon. Three Pro Bowl. Uh, Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie. I want to say Derek Anderson. No, not D.A. I thought D.A. maybe. Similar-ish uh, era, though. I think. Okay. Now I, I want to say Jake DeLome. I'm just thinking it's one of those guys. I, like, one of that kind of vibe. No, not DeLome. But again, like similar okay. t- time frame-wise in the NFL. Similar. Oh, I'll get this. I'm going to get this one. Okay, mid-2000s. Who had just kind of flash in the pan? So we might need team here. David Garrard. No, not David Garrard. I like where your head's at. I'm in the you're, era. Yeah, you, I'm in really, the era. You're really like naming the off the wall. I'm living in the one era. Year, one year guys um, who really. Oh, come on, Michael. You're better than this. Give us the team. Niners. Oh, Jeff Garcia. Yeah, I was gonna, that, that, that was going to give it away. I was My in that was era, be... though, dude. I was birthed. Right there. I don't know what that means, but I was thinking about what did Jeff Garcia? What was his take that he had? That's oh, yeah. that's going to be my hint. He's kind of been not in hot water, but he what has did he some, get flamed uh, he has for? some takes. I forgot what it was. He was defending. Oh, see, him saying Mina Kimes doesn't know football. Or whatever. Oh, that's right. Which yeah. is just uh, it, it, there are multiple ways to commit social suicide. You take a hit at Mina Kimes. You're better off just deleting your account. You're be- honestly, you're, if you want to move your career forward and your choices between making a joke about Mina Kimes or deleting your all of your social media, I honestly think deleting all your social media is probably a better one. Dude, former players gatekeeping analysis. You can't tale do is, it. Tale as old as time. Really is. Is one more question, right? Yep, from Brandon Riblich on Twitter. What two NFL teams have never had the first overall pick in the NFL draft? Wow, that's a good question. Didn't we have this? We, I think we had this before the Jaguar or before. Was it before the Jaguar? Give me a guy? second. I think I'm going to get it. First guess. The Ravens. Yep. Wow. I want to say the. Mm, I'm not saying it because I think it's too obvious. <laughs> too obvious. Uh, I'm going to go. Just say it. You don't. There's no. Seahawks. No, no, uh, no, not the Seahawks. Vikings. No. I only have one more guess. It is West. I wouldn't say West Coast, but West-ish. Arizona? Uh, not that far. That's my last guess. I'm a piece of shit. Um, fuck. Say something. Thinking. Broncos? Broncos. Wow, that was impressive. You went Ravens Broncos after I'm just like tripping all over myself. That was pretty sick. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for the mailbag episode. Appreciate everyone. Make sure if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or send us a screenshot of your Spotify reviews, you can get on the pod. Also, go to speakpipe.com slash tailgate to go get your speak pipes in. That's going to do it for this episode of Tailgate. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, as I said before. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Tailgate.